Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books and Political Science Podcast. My name is Heath Brown. Today I have the real pleasure to talk to the author of Before the Oath, How George W. Bush and Barack Obama Managed a Transfer of Power. The author is Martha Joint Kumar. The publisher is Johns Hopkins University Press. I hope that you really enjoy this interview that I did with her today. Welcome back to the podcast. Again, my name is Heath Brown, and I have the real pleasure to talk today to the author of Before the Oath, How George W. Bush and Barack Obama Managed a Transfer of Power. Martha Joint Kumar is the author of the book. Martha, how are you doing today? Oh, yeah. I'm doing fine. And thank yeah. you very much for having me as your guest, Keith. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have read the book. Uh, as you know, this is a subject that I have thought a lot about. I have cited your work uh, more times than I can ever think of. Before we get to the work, uh, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about some of your uh, very interesting things that fill up your day, your your uh, academic work, but also uh, uh, where you sit. So just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, I recently retired from uh, Towson University, where I was professor of political science and focused on the presidency and particularly on the White House, which is the part of my uh, research. And I started researching uh, White House communications in 1975 when a co-author and I uh, started working on a book on the press secretary. And we uh, we went into the White House. My job was to get us into the White House and get us an interview with the press secretary, both of which I did. And we spent one day in there talking to uh, reporters and uh, some others, some officials, and and we decided at the end of the day there was a more interesting book than just the press secretary. It was one on White House communications and and how it operated because we could see from that one day that there were more people involved than the press secretary. And I guess that really started me on doing research based on observation and interviews so that we uh, talked to White House officials throughout that administ- through the Ford administration. Um, and uh, ending that uh, January was a, a long interview I did with um, the chief of staff, Richard Cheney. And we found that uh, communications was an important sub- subject and aspect of everybody's job. So that's how um, I decided to do research was, simply talk to the people about how they do their work, what the interrelationships are, what their goals are. And so in watching how White Houses work, and and, um, I've been in the uh, White House on and off since December of 1975. And since 1995, I've been there for a really a good, um, good slug of time. And if I'm not at school, 
Um, now, of course, I'm not, and I spend my days at the White House, and and I spend it talking to reporters. I have a seat in the basement of the press room, so I, I uh, watch and talk to reporters about how they do their work, and then talk to officials as well about their work, and um, I'm seen as a an objective scholar, and I've been able to go from one administration to another. It simply hasn't mattered. Um, who was president that managed to um, to stay? Yeah, and so that, I believe. Please go ahead. I was going to say, and so that really um, morphed into an interest on presidential transitions because I could see how important transitions were from one administration to another, and um, and so um, I got together a group of scholars in. Uh, for the 2000 election and the few charitable trusts uh, uh, funded us. And um, and we prepared information for whoever was coming into the White House um, with essays on the key White House offices, on the responsibilities of the directors and the functions of the office. And um, those uh, essays or analytical pieces were uh, well used. And then Carrie Sullivan from the University of North Carolina uh, had information on the President's Daily Diary and what people can expect um, looking at those diaries through the first hundred days, as well as information on presidential appointments. And then he had, um, put up information on the website. And that website has been uh, used uh, by succeeding administrations, and they've also used our briefing books as we've updated them, and they've gone from one administration to another. Yeah, I've, I've read all of these essays multiple times. Most people don't pay as much attention to presidential transitions. In fact, this time period kind of goes by in a blur. I wonder if you can just summarize, sort of in theory, what do you miss? If you if you just pay attention to the campaign and then the first day in office, what important stuff goes on uh, during that time period that that uh, all of us should pay more attention to? Uh, we should because then we should encourage uh, candidates to um, to devote time and uh, the energy of staff in preparing to come into office because you can get a good sense. Uh, during that time, uh, you can get a good sense of how they're going to how they're going to govern. You want to you want to see them establish an operation early so they can take advantage of the lessons from the past. Um, because there are things that um, have that one can learn, like the importance of recruiting, of having one person who recruits people. For uh, not just White House jobs, but uh, you know, for administration-wide jobs, that uh, they devote some attention to that, and then establishing what the rules are going to be, what kinds of people are they going to be interested in. It takes a long time to to get uh, to get somebody through to confirmation, so you want to have an idea of, um, of who you want. And you have to have an idea, too, of your decision-making system. Who are your White House staff, the senior staff, going to be? And uh, what kind of a relationship are they going to have to the president? 
Are these people who have uh, experience only in campaigning or do they have experience in governing? What kind of mix are they going to have? Um, then you want to have people in place early because the sitting administration, at least in uh, Bush's case, uh, reached out to both sides in the summer of 2008, both the McCain and Obama people asking the candidates to appoint a representative to come into the White House and talk about issues such as um, software for uh, handling resumes once uh, there's a president-elect because there's a flood of hundreds of thousands of resumes that came in. And um, that, and how are you going to handle that? And the Bush people, through Josh Bolton, the chief of staff, um, said that they would uh, they would buy a piece of software uh, if both if the representatives of both sides could agree uh, that they would use it, uh, which they did. And then they worked through some other things like national security clearances and how that was going to work. Um, as well as the memorandum of understanding that um, allows, uh, which has to be signed by the incoming and outgoing administration that allows the teams who come in on behalf of the president-elect go into the departments and agencies to get information on programs, positions, budgets, and that sort of thing. And you want to do that early. And so it makes a difference to have an operation up and running, even though there is often a charge of hubris um, if somebody starts. Like there was even um, a criticism of Obama for appointing John Podesta in uh, July of 2008 to handle uh, his transition. And um, uh, that, uh, that seemed to be starting very early. One of the uh, people, one of the, on one of the cable anchors on one of the cable uh, networks. It was uh, David Schuster on MSNBC was critical of that move, but it was far from early. The Clay Johnson, who is the deputy for management at the Office of Management Management Budget, Budget said it would be irresponsible not to start early, and I think that is correct. It's not hubris. It is uh, simply uh, good management to start early. Right. And this is one of the first things that I think surpri surprises people is that, you know, a lot of this stuff is going on uh, during the campaign. And, and so although he eventually lost, John McCain was preparing as if he was to win. I wonder how you would characterize the transition operations, that is the pre-election transition operations of John McCain. Uh, McCain, uh, Josh Bolton, who was uh, Bush's chief of staff and dealt with both the Obama and McCain people, uh, characterized the McCain operation as something of a family operation, whereas the Obama one was a corporate one. And you could look at it in, just in terms of the people involved. In McCain's case, uh, he had a handful of people who were involved. Um, you had uh, uh, basically about a half a dozen people, um, but uh, but you also had volunteers like in the area of personnel that uh, that came in uh, for part of the week. 
from other parts of the country. So it was a it was a small operation. In the case of uh, John Podesta in his transition operation, if you put together the policy teams and the agency review teams um, that they had, but of course they went farther because they were you know, the president elect. He, Obama was president elect, so they had had to have more people. But their operation had 617 people which he was able to successfully manage. Um, the, the McCain operation would have been a same party transition. And so that's quite different than a change of party transition because he didn't feel the same pressure to change appointments very early uh, because he would be carrying on some people from the Bush administration and um, so he uh, he also would not have made some of the uh, very early actions like on reproductive rights. He might not have had the same executive orders that um, that Obama had because we have a change of party transition. One of the first things that the incoming president wants to do is put his stamp on the administration to say who he is and how his leadership is different from the person before. But in a same party transition, you know, you can have um, a cooperation of the sitting administration and um, and the incoming. In, um, for example, when uh, Reagan was president um, in the fall of, um, of 1988, he appointed um, a new treasury secretary and the person was Nicholas Brady, who was a good friend of George H.W. Bush and Richard Thornburg became the um, became the attorney general. And he also was somebody that Bush wanted to see in that spot, as he did Laura Cavazos, who was the education uh, secretary. So when Bush came in, all of those people came in and two of them stayed the length of the administration. So and as your title suggests, these transition periods are as much about the new president as the outgoing president. How did the Bush administration approach this 2008-2009 transition? Were they hospitable to the Obama transition team or were they less hospitable? The, the stories we have heard from the past about some of the hijinks that, uh, that went on in, in previous transitions, how, how did they approach this? I, they they uh, approached it um, in the context of two wars. That President Bush talked to Josh Bolton in December of 2007 about having the pe- best transition uh, they could have, and he said it was important with two wars. Now, all presidents say they want to have the best transition, but they don't usually say it a year beforehand. And so he he set the tone. And um, they uh, they went beyond what other administrations had done in trying to um, uh, foster a climate that was going to be very hospitable and helpful in ways that have not been the case in the past. Like, I think, the early work on the Memorandum of Understanding, bringing in both sides to talk about the software uh, making sure that they had early clearances for uh, whoever they wanted to appoint uh, for their transition. 
and uh, and then into the administration. Um, so they they worked early, much earlier than uh, the laws uh, called for them to do. Now, and what about the Obama transition team? They had pulled people who had who had done this before. Are there any novel or innovative things that uh, define the, the Obama transition that, that make it stand out? Uh, it, uh, they, started, um, they started fairly early uh, with, um, you know, with Pete Rouse and then having, who was the chief of staff for Obama, but he ended up involved in the campaign and so that uh, position was taken taken over by uh, by Chris Liu. I, I, I think that the um, they they worked early and were able to take advantage of the opportunities the uh, Bush people gave them to uh, gather information. But I would say one of the um, unique parts of it would be the circumstance that they were in. The financial meltdown came up in September, and um, and they had to put a lot of attention to that and get involved in legislation uh, like the uh, TARP legislation, and then also in discussing with the Bush people whether uh, they would give. Um, whether the Obama people would give them the name of somebody to appoint for as an auto czar for uh, the auto bailout. So there were there were ways in which they really had to begin uh, making decisions, governing decisions while they were still during a campaign. And so I would say that it's not unique, but it really is a very important aspect it can be about a transition. Now, we're in the midst of the, the 2016 campaign. Uh, do we have any hints of transition planning already starting for the major candidates, or is this the phase when things are on such top secret uh, uh, status that uh, we really don't know what's what's going on yet? Are there any, are any per, anything percolating, percolating up? Um, well, I would... Um, I would think they would be fearful about um, uh, about having it come out if they were uh, working at this point. But what you can do is just simply um, uh, appoint someone to be responsible for, as a candidate, appoint somebody to be responsible at an early time period for finding out what information is out there and gathering the information. So, for example, um, Bush did that. George A. George W. Bush did that with Clay Johnson, who was a longtime friend and who handled um, personnel for him. And he became his chief of staff when Joe Albach went to uh, the campaign, and that was in in June of 2000. It was June of um, 99. And mm-hmm. so he started working early on going out and talking to people like Jim Baker and George Schultz that uh, Bush told him he wanted him to go talk to them. And then he worked uh, worked on his own. And uh, that kind of uh, activity is a is a good thing to do. And you can you can start it early. 
Um, but uh, at this point, you wouldn't want it to uh, to surface. One of the things I think that is useful of appointing somebody early is what lessons did people have people learn about a campaign and what kinds of things get you that you say during a campaign get you in trouble when you're governing and how can you limit those? And so if you have people that are interested in governing and can talk to the people involved in the campaign, including the candidate himself uh, or herself, you can see what kinds of things have caused people trouble. For example, uh, promising that you're going to have the most ethical administration. That's going to provide a, a context for your presidency that anytime anything goes wrong with one of your appointees, um, you know, your comments from the campaign are going to come up. Same with transparency. Uh, President uh, Obama had talked during the campaign about the importance of transparency, and that's brought up to him uh, every every time mm-hmm. that um, uh, you know that they decide to have uh, a um, uh, a meeting where they don't allow cameras in, and uh, especially if they're large meetings and cameras aren't allowed and reporters aren't allowed, uh, his comments come come back. They definitely come up in the briefing room and elsewhere. Right. Be, be careful what you promise. Be careful what That's you say. Right. Uh, yeah. Martha Joint Kumar's book, uh, Before the Oath, How George W. Bush and Barack Obama Managed a Transfer of Power, is published by Johns Hopkins University Press, available uh, at their website and I'm sure in other places. Martha, thank you very much for your time today. Oh, thank you, Heath. I really appreciated it. 